but hear me uh, out Dante Alighieri you know I was thinking that for a second because it would just be like take an existential crisis and then put it in the form of a physical journey through you know a a quasi divine place Um, depends on whether you consider hell divine but uh, yeah it's like me going for a walk to the store but it's actually a metaphor for all my life struggles (laughs) yeah you're going to the 7-Eleven on the corner and then your your way is barred by three terrible beasts so instead you turn around and you know, go to hell. Go to the dunks instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You duck into a Duncan and Virgil's ghost is there waiting to call you a little bitch. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. Drinking some chamomile tea today, keeping it basic. I, I'm also drinking tea. Uh, I'm <laughs> drinking tea out of my uh, my Hyrule mug so Ooh. I can sip some tea and be like, ah, yes, that's Varudania over there in the corner. <laughs> Preparing to just for jump some into that stream coming up, maybe. Oh, Boy, yeah. am I. Was that an accidental segue? Because I did not plan that. <laughs> yeah. Well, given the amount of love we have in our hearts for Zelda overall and Breath of the Wild specifically, I feel like an accidental plug was inevitable. <laughs> um there's just but so yeah. much Zelda stuff in and around our various places of residence that it's going to come up eventually. Yeah, so stay tuned for this Friday. Assuming I can get all my shit together, uh, we will indeed be doing a little fresh file streaming of Breath of the Wild. Uh, and I'm just going to I'm gonna be playing it straight. I'm going to be getting into character, and I'm going to be having a good time while these two chuckleheads are going to be uh, hanging out in my back pocket. <laughs> Shit-talking everything I do, I assume. So that is going to be fun. Dutifully uh, ruining your day. <laughs> I, I prefer to think of it as enforced method acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited for that. Uh, I, I did a little test finagling to make sure the capture card worked. And I spent like 15 minutes being like, I don't understand why nothing's happening. And then I plugged the wrong thing in. So the, yeah, then it yeah, worked perfectly, which is a good problem to have. That's the streamer life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, this is the first time I will be running the capture card rig, uh, and doing the gameplay. So hopefully I don't fuck it up too much. (laughs) As long as you don't throw a bomb at yourself and blow it up inside one of the Sheikah trials in like minute five of the stream, you're doing better than me. (laughs) You know what would be more embarrassing? Doing that in the master trials, uh, (laughs) and, uh, being so angry that you never go back to playing the master trials again. (laughs) Because that was the farthest you'd ever gotten, and then you blew yourself up with your own bomb. Man. I love how every other death in the game is sort of tacitly canon, because, like, you drown, and then you, like, wake up on the shore with, like, a little bit less health, so clearly something fished you out and then bailed. But the Master Trials, if you die, it just undoes it. Like, it's not like, oh, you have failed. It just cuts back to before you plug the sword in. It's like, <laughs> ne- never mind, <laughs> pay no attention. So... Anyway, yes, uh, we're not going to do the master trials, uh, at least not for a friggin' yeah, hot minute. No, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, on the subject of videos that have come out already, um, <laughs> yeah, we, no, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you usurped my transition. I'm but sorry. I, know, I mean, basically, yeah, uh, we had first. We had I two take videos. your streaming setup. <laughs> now this. <laughs> well, guess I'm done here. Uh, we um we had two two regular videos uh, in January. We are taking it a, a little bit light, uh, as mentioned, but we did have two back-to-back boys uh, in these past two weeks. So, Red, let's talk about some tropes. We mm. had the um, power ups. 
power-ups. Sometimes I get confused because I read the trope talk scripts ahead of when they go up, and sometimes yep. I forget like which which scripts did I most recently read uh-huh. and which video actually came out last week. So like I have three videos concurrently in my head, even though mm-hmm. one of them just came out. Two of them won't be out for another month at least. At least, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them's one of them's a chonky boy. Anyway, uh, yeah. So it was. It was fun. Uh, power-ups is such a weird subject. Um, it's, you know, it. I was really trying to find examples that weren't just from shonen anime because, you know, <laughs> it, I, I try to have at least a little bit of a diversity of, of media in the examples I use because I have watched things that aren't anime. I promise it's not all just like 90s shonen jump shit in my brain. It's not only that, uh, but sometimes it's hard to prove that. <laughs> um and I was I was sort of puzzling over this, and I I don't think the discussion of it really made it into the final script. But there was a period of time where I was like, "Blue, I don't understand why all of these tropes I'm documenting are only in shonen anime to such an extreme degree, and then like nowhere else you don't get this kind of just straight power versus power, whose number is bigger conflict outside of like I don't know MMOs. Uh, but it, it was mostly yeah. shonen anime, and I was like, I don't I. I know that there are facets to this trope that exist outside of this. I just, for a while there, I couldn't find any. And, you know, in in the final video, there's a lot of parts of it where it's like, this is from, you know, a movie. This is from a Western cartoon. They're not all shown in anime. I promise. (laughs) I I toned it down significantly. But, like, it's, it was one of those tropes where I was like, I could populate this entire video exclusively with footage from Dragon Ball Z or exclusively with footage from Yu Yu Hakusho or exclusively with footage from Fairy Tale. Mostly Fairy Tale. That was the one where I was like, every one of these bitches is in Fairy Tale. That's the like secret bloodline technique because you're a dragon and also a demigod or something. You got Well, I could have also done exclusively footage from Bleach, which is the one where it's like the writer kept coming up with new fun things and then being like, how do I make my main character also this? So it's like, first he's a Shinigami and then he's a Hollow and then he's a... Full bring, and then he's got those. He's a Quincy or something, and it's because I don't know. His mother was a Quincy or something. You know, the dead mom, uh, the anime dead mom. Uh, and Fairy Tale is the one where it's like everyone is a wizard and everyone is super overpowered from episode one, and uh, now we have to make this f- make sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it would be like if you're losing a fight, just uh, power friendship, and then you're gonna win, and that's every single time. Every single fight, they're like, oh, wait a minute, friendship, and then they punch harder. It's great. I think on the subject of, like, power friendship and then you win, um, one of your your good cuts in this video was against Doctor Strange, uh, specifically as a, a great bad example of the power was within you all along. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, oh, yeah, I can, um, not only uh, I can do whatever I want because the power was within me all along, I was just too nervous beforehand, but also everything that I did beforehand, including orphaning myself, was was actually a predestination uh, of this was all happening for a good thing so that I could be here and punch the Scarlet Witch so hard that she felt bad about yeah (laughs) murdering other people punch the character Um, development into her yeah Um. so it's like it's just a whole the the whole scene's awful for reasons beyond the trope of power-ups but just as an example of of how paper thin the power-up trope can be when wielded incompetently Mm -hmm. well that's one of the things that kind of frustrates me so much and it's a little bit downplayed in the actual video i mean it's in the example footage but like whenever it's like oh the power was within you all along it's like does not 
not mean that you are tacitly responsible for all the bad stuff that happened when you were not powered up. Like, if you could have done this at any time, and then they're showing how bad it is that, that, you know, how dire the straits are before you get the could have, you know, was within you all along power up. Doesn't that mean that all that bad stuff that you now you know could have stopped but obviously didn't? Is that not your fault or at least would it not make sense for the hero to be like oh shit that is my fault because heroes are always doing that you know like well i never well, see that explored especially when it's like oh no my my friend like died and that powered me up and it's like if mm, so that, Red, imagine really if you will um a train track that diverges in half and on one oh, side are five people sake. tied down on the other side <laughs> is one and you have the power within you all along to pull the lever Ooh. is that murder <laughs> God damn it. My point is hero complexes make... Have, protagonists have had guilt complexes for dumber shit, and this is the kind of thing where it's like, I would at least expect the character to be like, if the power was within me all along, then I could have saved, you know, my tragic backstory dead anime mom, or, you know, my, my friend who sacrificed himself, or, you know, any of that stuff. Uh, and I just never really see that brought up, and it just undercuts that specific form of the trope for me a lot, because it's like... Yeah. You know, if I was in that position, I'd be overthinking the hell out of that. And these guys just seem to be like, yes, the power was within me all along. Now I can effortlessly win. And it's like, back up. <laughs> Hold on. There's some ramifications here. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, this is yeah. why, you know, the, the, the main strength of the power-up trope is really, like, how good the the execution is. Because you can put up with a lot if it's, like, fun. Um and a, a large part of the problem with the specific, you know, uh, Multiverse of Madness example, and more broadly the cases of, like, the power was within you all along, this is such a disappointing payoff for some reason, even though this should be a big culmination, is because a lot of the time stories will treat characters gaining power as, like, a switch. That they're, It's like, okay, you can or you can't do this thing. Um I was very recently watching through that that Willow show, uh, the the Disney Plus series that's the sequel to the like '80s fantasy movie Willow. And the second episode is when I tapped out because the entire episode is this chosen one, revealed, destined queen was supposed to have great magical powers, and the entire episode is everyone being like, "You should be able to do magic." Here, recite these magic words, and her not doing magic. And I was like, "If you're just gonna make me sit here for 45 minutes while the writer holds their hand down on." the off switch for this lady's magic powers until they deign to be like, okay, all right, uh, dramatic needs have been met, now you can do magic, then I'm not going to fucking do that. <laughs> so, and that's the problem. It, it It's, you know, it's hand of the author, but again, it's hand of the yeah. author pressing down on the off switch, and it's like, why am I, why am I here? I'm not going to get to see any incremental progress. I'm not going to get to see any development in this character. I, I'm just going to watch them not do anything until the story's like, all right, you can progress now. You can, you can go. It's fine. It's the hand of the author on the audience's mouth going, shh, shh, shh I'm not ready yet. We'll be able to go forward in a second. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, I do want to, um, one, one fun thing I want, I want to call out is, um, in the trope talks, obviously, you use a lot of, you know, example footage from various forms of media. You also draw your own frames. Anyone who watches the trope talks is aware of this. Sometimes yeah. you invent characters specifically <laughs> for the trope talks. Yes, and when yes. you were drawing this one, you were like, sunglasses guy is my favorite character I've ever invented 
for these trope talks. I love him so much. It's just like this very affable shonen villain. He's He's got a lot of like the Yu Yu Hakusho Tagoro brothers in him, uh, a little bit of Broly in there for Spice. But it's just like, what if you had this guy and he was like even a little bit genre savvy about like, yes, I'm this indestructible fridge of a man. Uh, I Nobody can stand up to me until eventually the protagonist believes in himself hard enough and then he's going to defeat me in like one punch. So let's let let's go. Let's let's do this. And just like somehow taking that archetype and making him slightly self-aware just made him a delight to to, yeah. to populate the frames with. There were some things where I was like, I could use footage from like Dragon Ball or something. Or <laughs> what I love the most is is the one sequence towards the end where we're talking about villain power-ups, and then he gets a third sunglass <laughs> lens on top of the other two sunglass lenses. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real trial trying to figure out how to make a stick figure look buff, but uh <laughs> Yeah, so so I, I love uh, Shonen Villain Sunglasses Man, and I'm going to find every excuse I can to include him in future videos. Yeah. Um, so so that was my uh, my chunk of the channel handled in the last couple weeks, and you had a very fun one. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had a really good time with this. I wanted to... Um, to talk about a building that I've loved for a very long time, uh, the idea for this video came into my mind when um, we were, uh, all, all three of us actually, were, were in Chicago for Worldcon, World Science yeah. Fiction Convention slash uh, ShyCon, and we were... Uh, the convention hall was like right next to the Tribune Tower and I was looking at it and I was like, like I've looked at this building many times before, but like, God damn it, like a switch <laughs> flipped in my head. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta talk about this because like I looked online, there's like a couple little two minute videos of like, oh, there's a Tribune Tower. It's and I'm like, no, someone needs to be gushing about this building because holy shit, every year Chicago runs like a what's the most beautiful building in the city and this 200, or sorry, this, this, um, this 1922 hundred year old building wins every time like there's all these new buildings that keep going up and it's like yeah no we yeah it's that one still and i'm like there's got to be something to this to talk about so i that i was like building is like i'm sorry i can't be her yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know crack the knuckles um and then get to work and had a lot of fun going through like okay why did we invent skyscrapers why did we start building taller? Why did New York start building insanely taller? And then mm. why did Chicago happen to get this building that was really, really pretty? And why does it work? And, and going through the like point by point of, of not only the great skyscraper race, but the competition for this new design was really cool because, I mean, architecture competitions have been around for a very long time. But this was really the first one um, in the 20th century that, that took on the question of the skyscraper um, in such a way that would have a substantial impact on the most common type of, of new mega project in architecture over the next century, which is just, you know, skyscrapers. Um, yeah. And it was the newest form of design that had really yet to find its foothold yet. Um, and it was just super cool to, to trace through how all of that came about. Um, there were a couple I... little, uh, little little small goofs I made. Um, really, there was one where I mentioned there was a French design um, that was uh... the giant Doric column. I was I was right, but I was wrong. It was designed by Adolf Luce, who's an Austrian, but he submitted the design when he was in Nice, France. Uh... So when I was researching it, I saw you know design plate number one ninety six, Adolf Luce, Nice, France, and I'm like, okay, that's a weird name for a French guy, but whatever. And I didn't think to check that, and uh... the comments are like. Adolf Luce was super Austrian. I'm like, what? How did I miss that? So I found like, oh, the design was submitted for like the few years that he was living in Nice. And I'm like, damn it. 
So that was my one goof for the video, but uh, um, well, other than that. I did have a funny little anecdote when we were all in Chicago, because at one point uh, Indigo and I were like, oh, we got to go meet up with uh, with Blue. It's, and we were sort of scanning. Of course, there were a lot of people on the street, and we were like, it's probably that one gangly guy that's just really aggressively looking up, <laughs> sort of hands on hips, like, wow. <laughs> I was just, I was standing on a street corner staring at this building like, yeah, okay, that's the proportions. It fits well within the landscape, and you yeah. know, it's doing this and this and this. <laughs> it is just generally the number like one sign. Minutes. Yeah, a, yeah, a tourist is the person in the city who's looking up with like, wow, wonder yeah. and joy in their heart. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it was a very fun video, and honestly, it's such a gorgeous building. Uh, yeah. It's it like it that whole chunk of Chicago is just really pretty. A lot of really nice old videos. Yeah. <laughs> really old buildings <laughs> obviously a video the highest form of art that men can create uh but buildings are are nice too um personally i wish we had more like megastructure pyramids like i understand why they're wildly inefficient from a space filling perspective yeah. i just think we need more blade runner shit you know there, there was one guy <laughs> what's um, up indigo an ancient... have you <laughs> Have you no. considered the Bass Pro Shop's giant fishing pyramid? Oh, get the fuck Which out of I here have with that. been to. It's crazy inside that thing. <laughs> I bet. Is it is it glorious? Do they have like waterfalls or well, some shit? Well, I guess imagine if you like fishing, it's pretty neat. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of live fish in it, mm. which is nuts. But interesting um, yeah no i, was I, going I, to I mean more like blade runner shit like dystopia <laughs> like dwarf that the skyline dystopic to me batman beyond stuff you know buildings so big they make the old skyscrapers look teeny weeny but uh, no yeah. housing stuff you know, yeah we uh because like we eventually we'll just need to you know we, we brought back art deco for for this generation a little bit we're gonna need to eventually just bring back the ziggurat and yeah. just like go full babylonian <laughs> yeah the thing is what they're gonna do is they're probably gonna do a ziggurat and then they're gonna put a tower in it because that way you get more floor space and you can rent it as condos it's um, the bass pro shops ziggurat uh, <laughs> um uh, although yeah. it is that is kind of an interesting like design consideration that you brought up in the video which is like how some designs don't work stretched out like a lot of them just don't look good that way you know mm -hmm. like a ziggurat is cool because of the the perspective it feels monumental if you put a tower on top it would make the rest of it look small and weird um, that's that's why if you've ever considered the Jedi Temple, it looks very weird. It's a ziggurat with towers on. It's a ziggurat with minarets. That does not make sense. Oh, huh. <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, but you know, like we've gotten kind of used to modern skyscrapers. A lot of them are just like glass and steel. You know, a shape projected upward into a cylindrical prism i guess um something like that yeah. something like that uh and Vague, vaguely tubular <laughs> tubular yeah and then you know you get the you get the slightly interesting ones um you get the dumb ones like uh Big there's a ones. bunch of skyscrapers around central park that are incredibly skinny and they all look like usb sticks um don't know where they came from yeah. uh and super they... tall and hyper tall trends just you you cannot make a skyscraper that thin that doesn't look ridiculous also you know better hope the new madrid fault doesn't give a little wiggle and knock your entire building over <laughs> but yeah. uh anyway yeah i yeah. don't know it's it's interesting skyscraper design is it's an odd thing to think about because we're so used to it but you know it went through a development process it's still going through a development process mm -hmm. um and I think the the way you unpack that of like, you know, this sort of drew on bell tower imagery, the last tall building that most 
villages and towns were accustomed to seeing. It's yeah. a, a tall place to put the bell, <laughs> so the sound a, carries. It, it's a communicator. Ding, ding, come get your news. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it works. And I think the, the little thematic points were, were kind of fun <laughs> You to good to go, <laughs> ding, ding, come get your news got me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So I put that in the video as a little text insert, but no one really twigged onto it. So oh, it's well. funnier to hear. It is funnier to hear. Yeah. Um, like imagine a very like like gruff Chicago guy. Like I, I can't I can't do a Chicago accent because there's like there's no there is no uh, Chicago accent. There's no Chicago lied accent. To. Yeah. We could do 30s gangster. Devil like, in hey, the white ding, city. ding, come get your news, you know. Come uh, get your news. Still, yeah. Um, I feel like one, that's New Yorker. Anyway, it, it is New Yorker, yeah, but I, yeah. I just. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know, man. <laughs> um, ever since um, Armando uh, from Funhouse called me flyover accent, I'll never recover. <laughs> um, but uh, I did want to mention a couple comments that I got were like, what do you mean accusing the Tribune Tower of imperialism? Those, those, the stones on it weren't stolen. It's like, bro, where do you think they got them from? <laughs> do you think they just went to the, the, the store for where it's like, here's limestone from the pyramids and it's just like oh yes i'll buy i'll buy some of that like no all these stones that are on the tribune tower were stolen from their places of origin like okay there's a rock from normandy like okay no one's really gonna miss that it's just that's just a rock it's one of thousands on the beach like you know have at but like famous rocks out of very important buildings like saint peter's basilica you know decorations from the forbidden city in beijing like those all came from somewhere Without permission, there's a whole thing where it's like, oh, yes, please, by honorable means only acquire these, you know, these materials from these places of immense architectural and historical prominence. But mm -hmm. the implied threat is like, if you go on a mission uh, for the Tribune to go cover some story as a correspondent and you don't come back with some rock from a place, <laughs> I'll be disappointed. So it's like, acquire it by honorable means. Uh... uh... <laughs> So like, get get out of here! No way! Every single rock on that place was stolen. Not the pyramids a, not a chance. of Giza, famously very cool about tourists taking five pound chunks of rock away from them. <laughs> the yeah, pyramids so, won't I mean, even let you pick up rocks from the ground and take them away because every yeah. tourist wants a chip of limestone from the pyramids of Giza. And if every tourist took one, it'd be picked clean like a skeleton. Exactly. <laughs> a cartoonish pyramid skeleton. So Looney Tunes the, style. The, the, the spolia on the side of the Tribune Tower are neat, but mm, that, that's problematic. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, every time I see that building, I'm like, oh, you know what looks really climbable? <laughs> Those bottom bits with the sticky out parts? Anyway. It's daring you. Yeah, it's daring but, me. Um, on the subject of quick announcements as we, yes. we uh, move along to the next portion of the podcast, uh, we are taking our next episode off. We will all happen to be out of town. Um, so we're just calling it a mulligan. Uh, we'll see you back on February 15th. Yeah. So we're <laughs> One just week a... later than usual. Yeah. So we're just pushing ahead the the uh bi-weekly pod schedule just a little yeah. bit so there's a tri-weekly gap so now uh, it'll be the other the other bi-weekly but not mm -hmm. the other other bi-weekly it's the, the bi-weekly yeah, the but second bi-weekly but yeah. not the other yeah yeah, yeah. 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 um and I, that's, I'm that's glad that we've it. cleared this all up and everyone nobody's going to be confused at all no. um <laughs> and i think that's about us covered um if you want to uh check out uh the the sun wukong vinyl toys are still going strong there is a new monkey of the month uh in the shop to celebrate the lunar new year it's gold it's and gold. sparkly it's very fun. Uh, so if that intrigues you, uh, you can check it out. We'll have a link in the um, show notes. And I think that's about us covered. So should we? 
Let's do it. Q and A. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Q and A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. But because this is episode sixty, we've got to take a little pause and do a little segment that we do every five episodes called the lightning yes, round good. first. <laughs> This segment is where we take all of the myriad media properties, books, movies, comics, etc. that you guys have uh, asked if we've seen, and we just go through them real fast because there are so many of them, and it's so cool that you guys want to know, but we do not have time to deeply analyze every single one. So instead, mm -hmm. I'm going to be reading off uh, name by name lists of um, media properties that you guys have sent in to us in Ask OS Pod, and Red Blue and I will just be going on through and saying whether or not we've seen it, read it, watched it whatever it is um and you know quick thoughts if you yeah. have anything important <laughs> otherwise it will just be a lightning round so without further ado our first lightning round property is the darkening age by katherine katherine nixie nope justice league crisis on two earths oh only two <laughs> wait hold on yeah that might be i think i've seen this one um They've got like uh like Owlman and and stuff. Uh so yes, probably, but it's been a hot minute. <laughs> I love the implication that like Crisis on Infinite Earths didn't really work, but if we do two, that's fine. <laughs> right. Yes, actually yes, I did look this up. Uh it's it's a 2010 animated movie. The the bad guy league from the other earth is like a little bit different and I think Owlman's whole thing is he had like an existential crisis and wants to destroy the universe and then they stop him and that's the end of the story. Anyway, cool. sorry, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Uh, Tresse, the TV uh, animated series that Netflix did a while back. I did see this and it was quite good, but it had sort of a weirdly rushed ending in the show and I have not read the comic that it's based on. So my understanding is that maybe that the comic might be slightly different, but it was, it's, it's really neat. It was like a, no idea. Little, you know, I think this is the first I've heard of it. Or... It's cool. Check it out. Uh, the Unexpectables D&D &D actual play podcast. Ah, no, but I've heard about no. it. Oh no, this is <laughs> Le Chevalier d'Elle. <laughs> It says it's anime in the suggestion, but I don't. It, that sounds French. Hmm. It sounds French like it's anime. like some 13th Probably century not. Chaucer ass kind of poem. <laughs> Maybe it's like that Romeo X Juliet thing. Uh, um, you no. mean uh, <laughs> Romeo X Juliet? Romeo plus yes, Juliet? Oh yeah. No, they... <laughs> um, Crosscode, the video game. No. Nope. Oh man, this one's easy. <laughs> Grandma's Boy, 2006. No. I think it's no. a movie. Uh. uh Trials and Trebuchets, another D&D actual play podcast. Oh, I've heard about this one. Uh, Sarah Zed's on that one, I think. Um, Ooh, nice. But I have not listened to it. Sorry. It's <laughs> a fun name. <laughs> yeah. Pyre by Supergiant Games. No, it was uh, one of their games before Hades. Uh, mm -hmm. I have not played it. Because um, if if Hades kicked my ass the way it did, I don't, <laughs> I don't have good odds for the rest of it. <laughs> yes, I've heard good things about it because it's by the guys that made Hades. But other than that. Yeah. The TTRPG game, Anyone Can Wear the Mask. No. No. The Dresden Files. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I went into, like, a fugue state and read eight of them in one weekend, and then I just kind of stopped midway through and never picked them back up. <laughs> Nothing for me. <laughs> Gilgamesh or Ember Knight, a webtoon? Uh, no. You had me at Gilgamesh, but lost me at the other thing. <laughs> the Ember Knight. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, Dragon Age, the video games. <laughs> Uh, no, but I have watched Dragon Age Absolution, the, the Netflix series, and I really liked it. Um, nice. So. I've not played it. Mm. 
A Court of Fae and Flowers? Yes, and, all yes, of it. It's so it, good. It's so good. <laughs> oh, Regency, but with D&D rules, so it's not boring as shit. It's great. <laughs> Let That's, oh, of all the, uh, of all the other uh, Dimension 20 shows that I, I haven't seen, um, I, that is the one that I most want to watch. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Uh, Cars, the movie. I, when I Maybe was like in like 11, a hospital yeah. waiting room once? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, ghost Stories, the anime, specifically oh, the English dub. <laughs> of course. I mean, who hasn't seen the highlight reels on YouTube? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen some of it. Obviously, I haven't sat down and watched the whole thing because nobody involved wanted to be there, and you can really <laughs> tell. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, it's deliberate. Like, the, the Ghost Story dub is, like, the first, like, shitpost abridged series, but that was mm. the official quote-unquote dub. And oh, it's like, wow. really? There was, like, a real story here. You could have, nah, nah it's, it's funny. I don't know. I'm a little yeah. bit torn on official parody. <laughs> uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Obviously. Oh, of course. If yeah. you have not seen Weird, the Al Yankovic story yet, highly recommend. It's not oh, what they asked about one. in this lightning round, but that movie is so funny. It Obviously, I've seen the fight <laughs> scene where Daniel Radcliffe fights a bunch of dudes. <laughs> oh my god, but it's so much more than that, Red. Like, the whole thing <laughs> is a perfectly constructed parody of a biopic in the way that only a Weird Al biopic could pull off. Um, but that's that's magnificent. You know, not... I I really do want to see it. I I, I didn't realize um, it came out. I must have missed it. Um, yeah, I've seen but, it yeah. twice. Uh... <laughs> I listened to the hardware store song again. Uh, next up is Sword of the Stranger. Mm. Nope. Oh, just a second. Let me look this up just so I know exactly what we're talking about because this might be something I know about, but it also might not be. Uh oh, yeah, no, sorry, this is something else. <laughs> Looks cool though. Uh, Wrath Goddess Sing by Maya Dean. Sounds like some kind of Trojan War dealio. Probably, yeah. I, I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, what else would it be? <laughs> yeah, and to, some anime. Uh, <laughs> to round out this this edition of the Lightning Round, we got one last one here. Uh, Primal by Gendy Tartakovsky. I have actually watched this now. As of, like, last week, I watched the whole thing instead of doing any work that day. Um <laughs> And it's, uh, like, 98% really good. Uh, the last, like, six minutes are weird, but that's kind of just a Gendy staple at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, it really felt like they were expecting to get a third season, and they found out halfway through the season mm. two finale that they weren't going to get it. And they were like, oh, fuck, we got to resolve the Fire Viking plotline right now. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, um, mostly. <laughs> It, it is extremely cool that they committed so hard to, like, there is no intelligible dialogue in this show. Because it's, it's it's the logical progression of everything that Gendy's working towards. It's like, if we can convey this via animation instead of dialogue, why shouldn't we? That's why Samurai Jack has, like, three lines per episode. Yeah, easiest paycheck Phil Lamar ever made. Exactly. <laughs> in that video, he's like, hmm, yes, I see. I will find it. And then I'm done for the day. <laughs> uh, it's like you do that instead of vocal warm-ups for the other stuff you're recording. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in Primal, uh, of course, the main character is a caveman and his partner is a dinosaur. Uh, so he only communicates by yelling and she only communicates by roaring. Uh, and you get so used to this that it's just body language and facial expression and stuff that when a real human being shows up in the season one finale and is like speaking her own language, you have no idea what 
she's saying, and you know you're never going to figure it out because you've gotten so in the head of the main characters uh, who don't even have names outside of the episode descriptions because obviously nobody would call them by those names. But it's like the the caveman is called Spear and the dinosaur is called Fang, but mm. only if you read the episode descriptions. <laughs> um and then season two has a lot more people, but they're also all speaking languages that the audience is not expected to know. And you know that Spears not getting a goddamn word out of it. He's <laughs> he, like he figured out the name of the lady he likes, and that's all you get. Uh, and it's funny because she does the little like you know you Tarzan me Jane thing to try and like get him to kind of open up, and he just does not respond to it <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> Incredible. Oh, uh, well, that has been this edition of the Lightning Round, and we're about to jump right back into the regular Q&A section, starting with a question from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like yeah. to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first in a future episode. All of these questions come from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Submit your question for a chance to be featured in a future episode. But let's kick this off with a question from the Ashen One to Blue. What's your favorite Assassin's Creed game? Oh, oh uh, this is a good question. Um... Is it not AC2? It's, it is it is AC2. Ah, um, sorry for spoiling. For, no, I mean, it's because I was like, well, how do I... Because I at one point I had um, I had two lists of my favorite Assassin's Creed games in order, one of which was by Nostalgia Factor, and one of them was listed by, like, sheer goodness, I think I described it as, and both of those I no longer agree with. Um, oh, no. Because I made those, like, five years ago, so it's like, yeah, it's out of date. There are a lot of I games where I'm like, I was a child then. Yeah. A lot of ones where I'm like, oh, wait, this game was actually better than I gave it credit for, and there's somewhere I'm like, actually, this game was dog shit. Mm. <laughs> and in ten years, I'm going to be like, actually, they're all dog shit. That's the, that's the galaxy brain's take is like when you're when you're out of the loop you're like oh assassin's creed games are stupid and that's like the the no brain thing and then you're like oh assassin's creed games are actually pretty fun it's like okay a little more brain activity it's like assassin's creed games are really good and then it's like you know you got a lot of sparks flying everywhere and then assassin's creed games are all bad and that's when you've like ascended <laughs> when yeah. you get back to that level and you're like these are all bad that's kind most, of what's fun about them. I mean, you know, the most important part of the hero's journey is coming back fundamentally changed <laughs> to the beginning. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I really like Assassin's Creed too because, of course, the world and, you know, Italy and Venice and Florence and being in these places. But, like, realizing after all these years that once Ezio lands in Venice, he, like, loses half <laughs> of his brain cells and starts making just the most boneheaded decisions imaginable. By Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, he is a blunt instrument. He doesn't make a single smart decision in the entire game. Um, and the game continuously sets up him having all these arguments with Machiavelli. But Ezio's always wrong. Like, every time he's like, oh, you see, Machiavelli, I should not have killed Rodrigo Borgia because I was uh, getting over my revenge quest. And Machiavelli's like, okay, great. He's still a Templar who's the Pope and is causing us significant problems. Also, now your <laughs> uncle and uh, all of your family is dead because you let this guy off the hook because you you had your wonderful little I'm done with my revenge quest moment. We need you to fucking kill this guy. You're an assassin. <laughs> yeah, I was, it really seems like Ezio doesn't understand his job description. Oh, he God. definitely seems He's... to be like, I've undergone character development and now I'm like at peace with stuff. So I'm going to hang up my hood and knife. And it's like, Ezio, people still need killing in this town <laughs> he's so stupid <laughs> he's so stupid so assassin's creed 2 is the one that i mean meant the most to me was the most transformative for like getting me into history um but in terms of the games that i think like are the best and have held up pirate game assassin's creed 4 oh, yeah. by far the one that's easiest for just anybody to pick up and get into if you're curious mm -hmm. about playing 
do the pirate one. Pirate um, that is is by far the the most accessible um, and and best uh, placed one, I think overall. Um, people like Origins because it's like ancient Egypt and stuff, and that's fine. But like, yeah, the story's kind of crap. Um, so play two if you want to see fun Italy stuff. Play four if you want to be a pirate. Just play four. Just yeah. play four. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, this next question comes from Pawsey the Galaxy. Is there a topic you really wanted to cover that you had to abandon or change because you couldn't find the sources for it? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, actually. Uh, but it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, years ago, I was researching Australian Aboriginal folklore, mm. um, specifically the Rainbow Serpent theme, uh, because it's kind of the one thing about... Australian Aboriginal folklore that most people outside of that that anybody outside of Australia has heard of um, this sort of iconography of this this rainbow serpent that is responsible for rains perhaps digging through the ground created the watering holes stuff like that uh, and in the process of researching it I concluded that, I, <laughs> that there was no way I could <laughs> handle it without doing a colonialism about it um, <laughs> because the problem is all of the research about this, first of all, the way that the Australian Aboriginal population has been treated is absolutely abominable. So just any amount of unpacking this feels like like this is not information that I should have access to. Um, there's stuff that I found in my research, like song lines, uh, which was this incredibly fascinating uh, just just function of how the people who lived in Australia kind of had to survive in such a complicated landscape is they would have... Instead of roads, it was like, okay, you have a song that tells a story of how a spirit or a, a, a god or a god equivalent. And again, there's a whole conversation there about like how cultures define these spirits and whether or not we would call them gods. Anyway, yeah. how that thing traveled through the landscape and left marks or did things. And as you sing the song, you walk across and it guides you in a very effective way. There's like maps of them. Uh, and then there are places where those, you know, the 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 cultural and religious significance of the song lines become very important. For instance, there is no song line that goes up Uluru Rock. Um, they all go down because you're not supposed to climb it. So there's, and it's, it's this very, very complicated space that is very difficult for an outsider to understand because that information is not actually supposed to be publicly available at all. And whenever the anthropologist went to Australia, they were like, yes, tell me more about your sky-themed creator deity that's the most important one. It's like, gosh, I wonder why all these fucking Europeans <laughs> would think that was the most important thing. Yeah. And as I was researching it, I was like, this is a... This is a rabbit hole I don't want to go down that I don't think I have the right to. Um, and I just sort of, like, as I was writing the script, I was like, I don't even know if I should be talking about this. And as soon as I hit that part, I stopped writing that script. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's there's a few things like that that, that I've, I've sort of approached and then stopped. Um, I've had people be like, are you going to do more, like, Native American folktales? And I'm like, uh, see above. <laughs> um, I, would yeah. I would much rather boost you know, the voices of the people who want to tell those stories and have the right to rather than try and sift yeah. through the nightmare research rabbit holes of like, can I find a source for this story that wasn't written by some white guy who didn't cite his fucking sources and won't even specify the name of the storyteller who told mm. this to him or even like their people and the name of their group? Like, 
why am I, how am I supposed to trust any of that? Actually, yeah. that's a second rabbit hole I found while I was researching that. That was another reason <laughs> why I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Because after a while, you're, you're like, oh, this is a primary source. This person is an expert on this native culture. And they themselves are from this tribe. And then you get arguments about people who are like, well, are they? I don't know. Like you find these forums of people trying to debunk like the Native American heritage of supposed experts in fields. And I'm like, Oof. I don't want to touch this. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then like. Even after getting through all that, like, imagine that the video were to be made. Mm -hmm. You get people like, oh, like, song lines. Like, yeah, there are, like, some sailing songs that guide you through where you're supposed to sail in, like, certain areas. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not the same. It's not You will the be same. tempted to think that they are similar. They super duper aren't. <laughs> I stick with stories that have either been in the quote-unquote, like, public storytelling space for at least a century or from long dead cultures, you know, like yeah. ancient Egyptian myths, ancient Greece, that doesn't bother me. Uh, uh, the four great Chinese classical novels, that doesn't bother me. Solid. <laughs> They're all widely accessible at this point, but the stuff that's very much not my circus, not my monkeys, I don't, I don't touch that. And I, I've concluded yeah. that that is probably best. Um, there, there is some, some ethical trickiness of like, do we then prioritize things that are written in books on the grounds that people put it in a book because they wanted it to be retold, mm. but then elevating, ah, yes, you don't have a literary culture, therefore you don't count. And that's obviously not what anyone's saying, but it gets, when we start having to like dig into those more questionable, like, does this story want to be told? We have to answer very icky questions. So that's, you know, read your strategy of just like stuff that's in the, the, the public mythological domain, mm -hmm. that's that's where we like to operate here. I did actually want to uh, boost, on the subject of like stuff I found while doing this this rabbit hole before I was like, I, I don't think I have the right to do this. Uh, there is a YouTube channel called Navajo Grandma. Mm. Um, and this woman uh, has a lot of videos uh, about Native American culture and, and history and stuff like that, and some folktales uh, that she tells that are very interesting, and uh, I would recommend looking that up and giving her some watches uh, if you are interested in this and wondering why I'm not doing this, <laughs> because boy howdy, that feels weird <laughs> for me to try and do for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Blue, have you ever had a video that you uh, stopped midway through researching? Um, I don't... <sighs> I've had a handful of topics that I thought like, oh, that could be neat, and then I put it on the list, and then I, I don't find myself compelled to go back. Mm -hmm. There have been a couple of video topics that I kind of started brainstorming on and then realized either, oh, I should combine this into something else, or oh, I should split this off into a couple subtopics. Um, there were some times where I was thinking like, oh, I can do a video just on XYZ contentious topic that had scared me for a very long time. And I'm like, actually, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I just... Um, decided to to not but that's kind of all in the conception phase that's before i ever really start doing notes or anything so it's it's been probably a very long time since i got partway into a video and thought oh oh no <laughs> um and even then usually what i do is i just try to like spin it off into something else or recontextualize it to try and um and kind of like <laughs> atone for what I'm doing because I actually, the, the, my next video uh, almost was one of these where I got partway through researching and I'm like, 
should I be doing this? Um, and I'll, I'll talk about it next week, but I, th- I was able to find an angle in what was otherwise a very saturated field of lots of videos on this topic, this particular historical character. Yep. Um, and I was like, should I? Uh, and I thought about it, slept on it, and I'm like, you know, I've, I've, I've got something here. I, I, think, I think there's a reason that I should be making this video that is not serviced by the, the ones that are already out there. Yeah. Um, that's probably the closest I've gotten. And that's like, I got into doing a video on a monarch for like a Valentine's Day thing. And I'm like, if it wasn't for the fact that I like have a justification for doing this character and their spouses, I would not be doing a video on this character unless I was framing it as like a Valentine's <laughs> Day thing. So yeah. mm. you can probably piece that together and figure out where I'm going with <laughs> that. But uh, sneak yeah. clue for all our Talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> Trailer breadcrumbs. Or no, three weeks from now. Three Whoa. weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Try week ah. Day after Valentine's Day. Ooh, yeah. How romantic. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, this next question is for Red. Do you ever wear sleeves from Discount Whiskey? Sometimes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> What's a two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's asking? Uh, but yeah, you know, like family dinners where it's like, you know, you got to dress up. It's like, okay. If mm-hmm. it's got buttons on it, the shirt is fancy. So this flannel should be fine. Um, you know, or when it's cold, like like really cold outside, I'll put on sleeves. You know, it happens sometimes. It's just not my preference. <laughs> there there was one occasion where um, Red, uh, you and I, um, and uh, a couple a uh, couple friends in town uh, went to a very fancy steakhouse for dinner, um, and you wore your nicest leather jacket and tank top. <laughs> I did, I did, and I kept the leather jacket on because <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna be the only person in this entire restaurant with bare shoulders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best leather jacket because it's got so much pocket space. It does, There's like yeah. two flashlights in there, a book of matches, uh, an entire notebook last time I checked. Anyway, it's great. There was definitely like four shirts worth of, you know, material contained within this jacket. Exactly. It was just, it was all in the leather jacket. And the jacket like... had sleeves. So yeah. uh, nobody needs to complain. Checkmate atheist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, this next question comes from Picket to Blue. What fictional city or building has your favorite architectural style, and which is the best fictional Ooh. dome? So we're in, we're in an architecture zone zone for you this, okay. uh, this video cycle. So, which part um, of Lord of the Rings is? <laughs> yeah, the best fictional dome. There aren't a lot that I can conjure to mind, except for, and I didn't watch Rings of Power, um, but there's whatever the I don't I don't know where the fuck the cities are is. Is it like, uh, I don't know, is the big city, is the big city in Rings of Power, is the, the elf big one? city? I don't the fucking know, city. man. Um, but there was this ginormous dome that that's basically, it's elvish. Have any of us watched Rings of Power? No. Uh, no, I saw something <laughs> okay. out of context while I did Fantastic. a video for But there's a big dome that's basically just like elvish Hagia Sophia. And it looks really good. It doesn't go any further than that because I didn't watch the show and I don't think that they really have any, you know, commentary on it besides the fact that, you know, like Minas Tirith is vaguely Byzantine coded and a lot of the other kind of like big old cities are vaguely Byzantine coded. Um, I think it might not have been called Minas Tirith at the time. I was just listening through Fellowship of the Ring and they're taking their sweet fucking time at the Council of Elrond, but there was something about like, <laughs> and they were called Minas something and Minas something, and then a bunch of other shit happened, and this one was renamed Minas Morgul, and this one was Minas Tirith, and anyway, so, anywho, 
Wow, yeah. I can't believe I just, um, actually, it's, uh, no wonder the Tolkien nerds love doing this. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's vitally yeah. important that you know that I'm a nerd about something that doesn't exist and never has. Especially it's vitally nerd. important that you know that I have more free book time than you do. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah, as far as favorite fictional dome, I, I cannot conjure any others to mind right now. I can. Um, the one go. that you fight uh, Calamity Ganon in. The, oh, the, like, that's pretty it's, good. It's clearly supposed to be some kind of like the observatory. A, yeah, the observatory. It's yeah. got constellations on the walls and like around the edges. Uh, it's designed with the uh, the the skyline of Hyrule uh, with the little Lord of the Mountain on there. Thank yeah. you, uh, thank you, Zeltic. I've I love that video. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah, no, it's like you're a little bit busy trying not to die, but it's a beautiful dome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's very fair. That's very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as favorite fictional cities, um, I like the Northern Water Tribe. It's Ice Venice. What do you expect from me? Because um, it, it also, it, it makes sense. It is a waterbender city where they can control water and ice. So basically they can make all the structures that they want. It's very easy to move around with a canal-based city, much easier than streets. If you can just will canals into existence, it's much more useful than streets. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it, it is good world building and it also looks cool as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I also just love how it's like, yes, the center of this city is a little pool with two fishes in it. And, yeah. Uh, and they are the moon and the ocean. <laughs> and they're so important. Just the way that the Avatar world sort of incorporates just the, the, the magical spiritual stuff into the daily lives of its regular people makes the world feel very lived in and solid rather than just sort of floaty and like, oh, yeah, there's like there's magic and, you know, outside of just bending. But, you know, it's not really that important. Whatever. <laughs> the Galactic Senate's also a pretty fun dome. It's pretty stupid looking uh, mm. in Star Wars. <laughs> that's the one with the with the little floaty discs, right? And the yeah, yes. yeah, that's pretty dumb looking. Yeah. It's got the ET coalition. If you really look in the background, loves it. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's like a little coalition of ET yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, this next question comes from the Effish one. She her to all. What is your go to hairstyle? <laughs> um, down. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, it's drawn in uh, in every one of our videos. <laughs> yeah, sort of an upshock, but like chill. Yeah, I. Uh... I do braids sometimes. Uh, yeah. Not often. My hair is pretty short relative to the. I guess in like the scale of OSP hair lengths, it goes blue indigo red from shortest to longest. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all pretty, I feel like, easygoing. Yeah. Low maintenance. Yeah. My hair's been very, very poofy um, lately. I, I can't exactly clock why I keep going to my barber and I keep telling him, like, don't uh, don't take out the length, but, like, like try to thin it out a little bit. And then we do. But then it's still poofy. I'm like, fucking Mediterranean mm. hair. God. Because <laughs> it keeps curling and it just, like, creates volume. Yeah. So I have these waves where it's like if my hair was straight, it'd be, like, half the, the volume. But since it just likes to go a little wavy, it's just like, poof. This is oh such a funny too, problem to too have. Too lustrous and volume. That's literally it. Like, yeah. oh gosh, I'm I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, well the, whatever, I. whatever percentage of the population experiences male pattern baldness couldn't be me. I have so much hair. I ask the barbers to take it away. Um, <laughs> I feel like every episode we've we've really been on a roast blue train lately, and I do feel kind of bad about it. I I did see in in the the Patreon um, some people. Um, ask questions in Patreon. I feel bad because we don't answer them on the Patreon. But someone right. asked, like, 
who gets roasted the most and who does the most roasting it does change lately it's been me uh, <laughs> well this is why i think that being the one playing the game on friday is gonna really, true, really help rebalance the ecosystem shift yeah, the I, dynamic around yeah. i think the the height of the bad boy saga last year was was pretty brutal to indigo <laughs> but it's it's come around to me being the butt of the, the joke difference is, though, that's a self-inflicted roast in many ways like i chose that i'm the one who said out loud to everyone on stream and listening that i am the bad boy and that everyone else harping on it is fully of my own creation blue did not choose this i chose this question so blue I didn't choose to have beautiful lustrous hair and then complain about he it to the internet born with it high um, school is that you <laughs> Uh, well, we have time for one more question before we wrap up this episode of the OS Podcast. This one comes from Fantrix. If you could have any author write a biography about your life after you die, who would you choose and why? Does it have to be true? <laughs> no, it just says biography. Who is chronicling your life story? Question mark. I think it'd be fun to have... Um, you know, he's died by now, but Michael Crichton turned my life into, like, a warning about the dangers of science. Uh, <laughs> yeah, after I got eaten by that velociraptor, really all I could hope for is that Michael all Crichton would from make there. a damn good story out of it. Um, but barring that, uh, we were very lucky enough to meet Shijan J. Zhao at um, yes. TriCon, and they very oh, yes. patiently listened to me talk about Bloodshot in a professional setting for far too long. So I feel like they've really gotten into the psyche of Indigo. So if any modern author is going to, to write this up... I want it to be them. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Yeah. That was also a brutal conversation because they were like, what's what's the deal with Chicago? Like, what's what's Chicago's what's thing? And I was like, well, do you like the architecture? They're like, not really. I'm like, eh, there's nothing for you here. Sorry. <laughs> How do you feel about large bodies of fresh water? It's got that in spades. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Um, I, I mean, the thing is, if we're talking about quantity and quality, Turning Tolkien loose on it would be just mm. so fun because I'd get like a thousand page brick of not just me, but my entire family line before and after. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And like, sure, I might only get a couple sentences in there about like, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, unwisely attempted to climb minus Morgul and fell off or some shit. And or that's you just it. went to a park and then Tolkien spends four chapters on the trees that you saw. Yeah, and then we have an in-depth conversation about like, oh, I've noticed that the squirrels around here are a little bit reddish. What's up with that? And then Gandalf lengthily explains to me how the the men of the West brought with them red squirrels and they interbred with the gray squirrels native to the area. Uh, and this was after the fall of Numenor, of course. Um, <laughs> and then I ask more follow-up questions and this whole fucking time we're not at Rivendell yet. <laughs> and even worse, you have to go on a, a, a five chapter diatribe to hang out with Tom Bombadil. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because that's when the, the trees in the park start getting real uppity and then we get rescued by Tom Bombadil who insists on telling us his entire life story and his uh -huh. wife uh, and then just fucking off and leaving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm looking on my shelf to try and see mm -hmm. who I want representing me. Um, I think if I want to come out of this looking good, I get Thucydides to give some speeches of like, like, let's imagine what Blue was trying to say, but I'm going to give him a speech that makes him look actually significantly smarter than he is. Because <laughs> uh, that was the thing is like, given what I think the situation called for, I will write the most beautiful speech possible for what I think this character should have said. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, Thucydides, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, if I want just all the bullshit, of course, I will go Herodotus. Um, 
but hear me uh, out Dante Alighieri you know I was thinking that for a second because it would just be like take an existential crisis and then put it in the form of a physical journey through you know a a quasi divine place Um, depends on whether you consider hell divine but uh, yeah it's like me going for a walk to the store but it's actually a metaphor for all my life struggles <laughs> yeah you're going to the 7-Eleven on the corner and then your your way is barred by three terrible beasts so instead you turn around and you know go to hell go to the literally. dunks instead <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you duck into a Duncan and Virgil's ghost is there waiting to call you a little bitch <laughs> oh actually you know what uh, I would I would love to be the main character in an Aristophanes play. I would not come out of it well, but it would be really funny. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I feel like the goal with all of our respective biographies is not that we look good, it's that it's entertaining to the people who come after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 What better well, legacy could an artist hope for than to be kind of funny after they're dead? Yeah. <laughs> That's the it's thing with being a philosopher like is, you know... philosophy behind the weird Al Yankovic movie. Mm. Again, it's really good. Go watch. <laughs> yeah, you, you know you're a philosopher when you'll die to prove a point that'll make you look good in a thousand years. Socrates knew what he was doing. Mm. <laughs> oh, awesome. Man. Well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap up, uh, you know, this episode, this entry into our respective audio biographies. Um, Brad, are you ready to, to, to write us an ending to this one? To take us out, as it were? We all enter this world ready to leave it. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, we'll be back in a few weeks with the next episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. As mentioned, of course, we're taking a week off and then we're going to, you know, we're taking our normal week off after that. And so it's three weeks. And then after that, it'll just be more every two weeks, biweekly, not that biweekly, the other biweekly. Um, Wait, but not but not that biweekly. Not the that biweekly. Bi-weekly. February yeah, 15th. Yes, that's the one. The other other biweekly. Yeah, um, okay. And of course, uh, new videos will be out every Friday. For the most part, they'll be normal, obviously, this Friday. It's going to be a little bit weird, assuming I can get everything plugged into the right places and not uh, beef it too hard in the in the playing of this game that we all love and appreciate so much. As long as your internet doesn't die partway through the stream, you'll be better than I was a few weeks back. <laughs> mm, true, yes. Uh, so far, it's held up pretty good, but, yeah. you know, you never know with these things. Um, <laughs> I think that has us about covered, so Indeed. until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. And so it was written that the third age of men did come to an end, and then she fell off a really tall building or something. The end. <laughs> and then Tom Bombadil showed up. Book Tom two. Tom Bombadil wrote a really funny poem about it, and then spent three chapters singing I'm it. hit stop on the recording now. No! Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on February 15th after taking an additional little week off, and then the bi-weekly schedule will resume from that point forward. But if you miss us before then, feel free to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.